Unmute? Hey, we've unmuted. Okay. Well, good morning, brethren. Greetings in the name of Jesus. Wow, it's, isn't the weather just beautiful today on this Sabbath day? My, mm, mm. I love it. Um, it's so nice. <laughs> they, think it, they may think it's strange, brethren, when you, I mean, when you're in the parking lot at work and you're gathering up these leaves that trickle down, some are like a golden color, and some are like a rich amber. Ooh, I love it. It's interesting. This is, today is October 30th, and here we are nearing the time when people will start worshiping a whole bunch of stuff and doing things they don't even know what they're doing, why they're doing it. <coughs> Tradition. It is quite interesting to hear of witness. People have questions. People are wondering why you might do something differently. People wonder all sorts of stuff. They wonder, how does that football player get to be so, or what skills does he have that he's able to do whatever, or the, or the cook, you know, the, the baker, you know, making cakes or whatever, you know, well, you know. And there's the social media thing, all sorts of stuff. People sharing ideas after ideas. In the latter days, knowledge shall increase. It, you can learn so much from people sharing stuff. People are consumed with questions, brethren. When you hear a testimony, people will complain. People will accuse you. Oh, you're Jewish. That's interesting. There is a certain religion. They're very strong in what they believe to the point of wanting to kill people. Why are you? Are you you're Jewish. Why, are you, why do you do that? So to be able to tell someone that we believe in the Word of God, the Holy Bible, that we believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but call us Jewish. It is interesting why after a Protestant, after a Protestant persuasion, do they ask why you don't keep Christmas or does it offend them? Here's a booklet, Christmas and Pagan Customs. So there's so many levels of what people value, the truths, the things that people want. There's varying degrees. Brethren, you're, we see it. Every day we see that. So do you know that in the New Testament we are admonished to communicate? Being willing to communicate. I, I, I don't remember where that was, if that was Paul writing to Timothy or... But being willing to communicate. So, someone mentioned something to me recently. And it's interesting how the... In, in life, people appreciate... People, have, people appreciate and they pick up on patterns... Someone tells me communication is key. So I, that's what I wrote down here at the top of this page. Below that, I had no judgment. People want judgment or they don't want judgment or they want a flavor of their own judgment. People judge what they deem, deem to be good judgment. 
Do you know that in the New Testament, and even in the Old Testament, that we are reminded over and over and over, there is no respect of persons. That's something that I have been thinking of so much. No respect of persons. Do you know what that means? No respect of persons. That can mean favoritism. So I had to look up favoritism. Let's see if this will allow me. Favoritism. Here's the definition of favoritism. The practice of giving unfair preferential treatment to one person or group at the expense of another. That's Google. The practice of giving unfair preferential treatment to one person or group at the expense of another. Partiality. Unfair. Favoritism. No respect of persons. So when we walk the walk, brethren, it it seems to be a very serious walk and a strange walk. In the Sabbath school, we were talking about covenant, law, We were talking about boxes and rectangular shapes. Communication is key. Is the Almighty, the Creator, does He hide things? Does He, as Pastor Walker said in one of his sermons, Brethren, God does not dangle a carrot out there and entice people that they can't find it that they can't reach it and attain to it. You see that kind of a heavenly father in Psalm 98 too. The Lord hath made known his salvation. His righteousness hath he openly showed in the sight of the heathen. It's sad when people argue with the Almighty and his ways. The children of Israel, this book, brethren, just reveals how people treated the Almighty, if they cared about him or no, what he said or no, time and time again. He says that. Read the prophets. Read the account of Moses, his frustration at people's rebellion. The Lord hath made known his salvation. In 103.7, Psalm 103. Well, what do you know? There's Moses. 103, he made known his ways unto Moses. His, (laughs) look at that, his acts unto the children of Israel. We are in this year 2021. Can you imagine being somewhere, being at Lake Hefner here in Oklahoma City and seeing it just opened up? Could you imagine that? Right, Sister Pearl, that might get someone's attention. Attention, as they would say in French, en français. Isaiah, through and through, brethren, the all, he's consistent. His delivery is consistent. It's just wonderful. In Isaiah 59, 11, we roar all like bears and mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment. Notice that. We're looking for judgment. We're looking, we're looking for answers. But there is none for salvation, but it's far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before thee, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, 
as for our iniquity, iniquities, we know them. Why won't people repent? I've asked that question. Why? Do you, do you know that confession has to be made? I believe it's in um, one of Paul's letters, epistles. In Nehemiah. It's interesting in this, people say your religion. What religion are you? I have to ask the question, is it a religion, brethren? Or is it a faith? And is it a faith based on lies? A faith based on lies? It's a faith based on truth. True. So what is our religion? Why do you do something so different than the rest of the world? Is he in hiding? In Nehemiah 9... In verse 14, <laughs> communication is key, brethren. In verse 13, Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai and spakest with them from heaven and gavest them, notice the list, gavest them right judgments, true laws, good statutes and commandments, and madest known unto them thy holy Sabbath and commandest them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses, thy servant. Something interesting here. Made us known unto them thy holy Sabbath. Whose Sabbath is it? Is it a Jewish thing? I think it's a God thing. It's a creator thing. And made us known unto them thy holy Sabbath and commandment and commandest them uh, precepts, statutes, and laws by, by the hand of Moses, thy servant. He, Moses being a servant, only servant, only to do people wrestle with law. Like they blame it on Moses. And for some reason, even famous theologians take the Sabbath and wrap it right under Moses, blame it on and make it part of Moses' covenant on a man. Communication is key. Do you know that in Ephesians, several times, a couple of times, I think it's in one verse or one chapter. Of course, the scriptures, original manuscripts, were not broken up into chapters. I appreciate when Paul <laughs> wrote, he's, he, he said to have this letter read, Amongst the holy brethren. That, that, can you imagine? The whole thing. Read. No breaking. Read it all. Is it right here? In um, Ephesians 5? 3? Yes. The word unclean. But fornication and all uncleanness. What is uncleanness? What is clean living and unclean living? Let it, or covetousness, let it not once be named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, brethren, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person. Why do people... Say it doesn't matter what we eat. 
Why is it that the swine, in particular, one of the filthiest animals, has gotten a reprieve in the church? Why is that? It's so strange. It's so strange. Why that one thing? Or the seafood that we used to love to enjoy. Well, I did. But you repent of that. You change. You don't want to do it anymore. Because you know that the Almighty, He is holy and righteous and true from the very beginning. The very, very beginning. We were talking about the ark that Moses, Moses Noah built. The box. Let's see, where was that? I brought my, I brought my Lesson 19 Ten Commandments uh, up here. Because I made some notes. Um, I just find that interesting um, that the Ten Commandments written on two tables of stone by the finger of God placed in the Ark of the Covenant. It's almost like a sanctuary, sort of. Safe place, yes. Would you know that someone mentioned the word valuable? I got to thinking, I'd write this out, brethren. <laughs> I did Ark. I wrote, I wrote down chest. People do that. People have chests or lockboxes or whatever. And they put their goodies in there or their, how about this, treasures. And we're told not to store up treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven. Sister Pearl said, valuable. So, the Ten Commandments, being below the mercy seat, as Brother Jeremy said, placed right there, does that convey value? Does that mean something? Whoa. Did Jesus ever say, I'm the greatest? I received a letter from Brother Kenneth Walker, and it's um, an introductory he desires greatly to keep the truth going, to keep the faith going. The thick thing that we have yet to study, as far as I know, is titled In Defense of God. And it's, it's a severe conviction, brethren, a severe conviction of the relationship between the Heavenly Father, God Almighty, and His Son versus the skewing of the truth, the symbolisms that the religious world is using to carve up this thing called Godhead, to carve it up, slice it up, In the first pages of that letter, and this is a feeling that I share and I appreciate, it's an amazing thing how these famous men with titles try to one-up each other in their knowledge. 
with their doctrines, with their books upon books. We, are we not told in Ecclesiastes the making of many books? There is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Where is that? It's Ecclesiastes, I think. Let's hear the conclusion of the whole. Eh, yes, Ecclesiastes 12. 12, 12. My son, be admonished of making many books. There is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. So these famous doctors and PhDs and try to one-up each other, seemingly. You know they make a lot of money. Type in, go to your Google. Type in this, a person's name, a famous theologian, and then type in the word net worth at the end of that. See what you come up with. Google doesn't hide these things. Type in what they practice. Think of your most famous artists. Type in their name. And then type in two words after that. Christmas album. So I wrote in the middle of my paper here, it saddens me to find, find this out, to discover it. I don't find greater joy in that. I don't think John would either. John. Let's go to John. I don't think John would either. I think it's second John. He wouldn't find that to be wonderful and pleasant. Where is this? Oh, yes, right? Oh, yes. Right here. I, yes, and I put that into a gold type of nice highlighted color because this is so positive and wonderful. <laughs> Second John, is it set? Yes, I'm in Second John 4, verse 4. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. Communication is key. Oh, and to share the love. Do you know when Paul said to whoever he wrote it to, or was it Peter, that you know, we'll meet each other face to face and our joy shall be full. Now, brethren, I have to ask the question. Do we think that, should we be surprised in the early church from house to house, house church to house church? You know, there's people today that say there is no church. There can't be, there is no more church. Why? Because they're mad, they're upset, because famous people, famous churches have ripped off people. And that's sad. So sad. I have to, it's just a marvel. Every step of the way, at all levels, there is attack on truth. Every step of the way, there's an attack on truth. So they met from house to house. I think we mentioned something about wiggle room. People want to twist and pervert the commandments and the law. In um, Psalm 51, I find no wiggle room with the Almighty. If, if this is true, in Malachi 3.6, if he does not change, he tells us his name And he changes, doesn't change. He changes, N-O-T, not. 
in Psalm 36? Nope, Psalm 51. Sometimes when you're, isn't that just wonderful? Sometimes you read the scriptures or you're just, you just get immersed in it and you, you gravitate towards one area and, your area and your eyes just lock in and, and you just start, oh, you just find, you find yourself just reading. And then you knew, brethren, that you wanted to make some cross-references back here, but you got sidetracked because you found something else that harmonizes somewhere else. Where is this? Psalm 51.4. Let's just start with verse 1. Have mercy upon me. O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. We should want that, brethren. See, that's the thing. We should want that. And we have to want that. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I don't see how my cleansing can cleanse my children, my wife, People have to want to be cleansed their own. My love for someone can't get them into the kingdom. (coughs) For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. In verse 4, against thee, thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou madest mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Do you know that the law is holy and perfect and good? He's going to be clear when he judges. There will absolutely be no wiggle room. Do you know, brethren, in this life, we appreciate, we had, when I worked at CompUSA, there was something that, you know, the top salesman getting, getting the goodies, getting the rewards, running the race, as it were, by selling those, those pamphlets that were by the, stacked up by the, I won't do that, stacked up by the computers called the extended service plan, assurance, got rewards called spiffs. Now, I don't recall when I worked there because I, I guess I wasn't that good of a salesman. <laughs> I guess I wasn't that good. I didn't find myself complaining, or did I? That, oh, someone's driving the new car, or someone got, you know, big fat ver- bonus or whatever. They worked hard at it, brethren. They sold and sold and sold. I have to remember that what's fair is fair. And that happens in every aspect, seemingly. Do people get mad because someone outbaked someone else? Or out changed out the tires or whatever than someone else? Or out machined a lathe or something? I don't, you know, I'm just saying. In Jeremiah 7, I think Jeremiah 5, I was in the garage a.k.a. makeshift workshop, woodshop. <laughs> oh, do you know that sawdust? Whew, it goes places. It'll, it'll cover your windows. Only, anyway. 
Jeremiah 5? I was listening to Jeremiah recently. It's just such an amazing thing. You listen to the scriptures and whoa, something catches you off guard. Do you know how many times that the word judgment is in Jeremiah? In uh, Jeremiah 5, 4. Therefore I said, surely these are poor. They are foolish, for they know not the way of the Lord, nor the judgment of their God. I will get me unto I will get me unto the great men and will speak unto them, for they have known the way of the Lord and the judgment of their God. But these have broken altogether, have altogether broken the yoke and burst the bonds. So when people don't appreciate and attack and don't want to be part of spiritual Israel, to be grafted in. Do you know what we hear, brethren? What is it that we hear about the Sabbath? We hear things like, Jesus is my rest. So I had to write this in on my, this, my notes this morning in the back. So I, Jesus is my So when, was G, when did Jesus get converted to a 24-hour time frame? So Jesus is my 24 hour. Jesus, Jesus is my evening and morning. Jesus is my day. I've had to ask this question when people lay that attack out specifically on one thing, and it's a heart of rebellion. Jesus is my marriage. Do people ever say that? To justify having outside relationship outside their marriage? Jesus is my idol. Jesus is my whatever. To convert and blame Jesus, to put something on him, to make him out to be something that he was he is not, never was. He said, I came not to destroy, but to fulfill. Fulfill does not mean do away with. In Jeremiah 10, just the, the tenor, the overall feeling, brethren. Um, Jeremiah 10 and 24. 10, 24. Oh, Lord, correct me. How, brethren, but with judgment, not in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. When I was at McAllister, bring me to nothing. There's something that is, uh, has been concerning me for some time now, and it's a night and day difference, and it will be a night and day difference. It will be quite a change when Jesus Christ returns. I was at McAllister, and they had this booklet, old study, uh, The Rich Man and Lazarus. So I snatched it up. <laughs> I took one copy. Um, because in it, or in this parable, this is a parable that Jesus gave in Luke. So let's just go there, Luke 16. It's a parable, 
And do you know that it's in this whole line of teaching of Je- from Jesus, Jesus Christ. Um, it's just such an amazing thing. Parable after parable. Chained together here. Chained together. And in verse 6, in uh, verse 15, so Luke 16, and then verse 15. Well, he's speaking of people that justify themselves and things that are highly esteemed are an abomination in the sight of God. Things that man holds high. And it's easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. And he talks about adultery here. Puts away his wife, marries another, commits adultery. And whosoever marries her that is put away from her husband committeth adultery. And there was a certain rich man, just clothed in purple fine linen, and was rich, he did well, fared sumptuously every day. And the, ba- and the beggar Lazarus, full of sores, and he needed help, brethren. He needed help. And the beggar died in verse 22. And that's an interesting thing. The beggar died and was carried by the angels. People say that he was, it says he died. But then carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell. So it's kind of a strange thing. What time frame, what symbolism are we talking about here? Very interesting. So he was buried, but in hell. Hellfire. Lifted up his eyes. Are, Are we talking about two different aspects of time here? He was buried... So it doesn't say later in hell. But the parable goes on. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus. I'm tormented. And then a rebuke. But Abraham said, I have to wait a minute. I have to think about this. Is Abraham alive? Okay, Abraham said, or is it the symbolism of righteousness and truth? It is a symbolism of a standard of faith in the Old Testament. Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, There is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from here or hence to you can't. Neither can they, neither can they pass to us 
that would come from there, come from you, come from, come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. This is such an interesting thing. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if, if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. I have to ask the question, who were they wanting to be raised from the dead to go? It's so interesting. I just see, it's seemingly in this parable, seemingly, they have the Messiah. People have Jesus Christ, but they don't want Jesus Christ. They want Moses brought back, or Elijah, or... And Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Jesus said somewhere else that Moses wrote of him. And in the New Testament faith that we're built upon... Um, the prophets and the apostles, I believe, or something like that, built upon. So there are some, there's basic brethren, there's truth. There's righteous ways. There's, there's a faith. There's, a God, there's God's will that we've done that has been established from old. So the thing that has been concerning me for some time, and I just, it's just, just the amazement of it, is this great gulf fixed. And beside all this, in verse 26, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. That line, that division, I, I, I kind of designed this out in my section of paper here. I put us at the top, great gulf fixed, and then you. Which side are we on? Which side are we on, brethren? If we go to, um, I used my Strong's Concordance. And let's just go to Luke 16. Yes, Luke 16 and verse, what, 26? 16, 26, is that correct? Ah, just G4741, after the word fixed. Um, 4741, fixed. In the Thayer definition, the, the, what is that, the Greek word, transliteration, stay ridzo, stay ridzo, it's not spelled, it's sterizo, but stay ridzo, uh, can mean to make stable, place firmly, set fast, fix. Uh, also, it can mean to strengthen, make firm. To render constant, confirm one's mind. Uh, down at the bottom, it also can relate to G2426, other Strong's definitions. To set fast, that is literally, to turn resolutely in a certain direction. A great gulf fixed. Brethren, the children of God do act differently. God's people do act differently. Are we, are we, is there a great gulf right now? 
a great gulf right now at present. Right now, do we realize the magnitude of eternity? Worlds apart, do we live a life after Christ, after truth, right now, that is worlds apart? How about eternities apart? So, how do we act? How different is it? How humbling is it? In um, Philippians, how humbling is it that you've been converted, changed, that you live differently? And we don't do our will, we do His will. Philippians 3 and verse 20. Do you know it says for our conversation? And I can't help but think, remember, Pastor Walker always remind, remind us. He'd say, now, brethren, he'd say, now, that conversation doesn't mean the way we talk. He'd say, that means that, that's how we live, our, how we live our conversation. In French, I, I used to, I was told that's conversation if you do it from the nose sound. Our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. For our con conversation, brethren, is, is in heaven. The way we walk, the way we live, where do we get those instructions, that conviction? Is that, is that after our carnal mindset or is that after the heavenly our conversation is in heaven. I can't help but think of uh, the word pattern. Patterns. <laughs> we were talking about the Ark of the Covenant and the box and a pattern. Isn't that amazing, brethren? A box was built for eight people, eight human beings, to be able to be in that rectangular box and just float up above the destruction with the animals, animals and, and just be protected amazing and valuable. Isn't that something? To preserve life? Valuable. Treasures. Noah found grace. Isn't that something? It just, so there's the Ark of the Covenant and the other symbolisms like Aaron's rod and the, uh, the other things. I don't know the rest of them. Uh, I can't say them right offhand. Manna, okay. Thank you. Do you notice that I keep mentioning Sabbath school lesson? If anyone else would be watching this and wondering, we have Sabbath school lessons. We meet in the morning. We come together. We fellowship. Not forsaking. That's, that's, that tells, in Hebrews, I believe it is, not forsaking the assembling of, of themselves, together as the manner of some is. As you see the day approaching, but that ark, the Ten Commandments being in that ark of the covenant, below the mercy seat, do you know the mercy seat? If I recall in the tabernacle in the wilderness, that the Almighty, that was his meeting place. It's where he came down and his glory was right there above the mercy seat. So how important are there? Ten commandments. How important are they? In 1 Corinthians 15, if we go to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15, 45, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quick, that's good, brother, a quickening spirit, that's good. 
We need to talk about Jesus. Don't leave him out. Such an important role he played in the salvation of our souls. Howbeit, that was not, that was not the, okay, start over. Howbeit, that was not, that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward, that which is spiritual. Okay, I'll have to decipher that. 47. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And in verse 48, as is the earthy, such, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Whoa, okay. Are we kingdom people now? Kingdom people now. Oh, brethren, when we firmly believe that the Almighty Heavenly Father in heaven gave, did we not read it just a moment ago? True, true laws and judgment. And I believe it's in Romans that the, that the law is holy, just, and good. So bearing that image of the heavenly. And just we've, we talk about patterns and symbols. In Revelation 11, I just, I, this is just terrific. This, I think this speaks volumes. That's interesting. And this speaks volumes, brethren. In Revelation 11 and verse 19. Um, well, verse 18, we can't forget that word wrath there. Nations were angry and wrath has come. In the time of the dead that they should be judged. I'm in Revelation 11, 18. And... Thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. He's going to give rewards. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake. And great hail. The temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. I can't help but think about the this sheer conviction, strong conviction, that we would believe in an almighty creator, that he does what he says, and he says what he does. The Ark of His Testament. We, we talk about the strength of the, of the, of the law of sin or the, um, that where there is no law. There is, we studied this this morning in Sabbath school. Where there is no law, there is no sin or no transgression. Is that correct? Did I say that right? Brethren, who came in the flesh? Yes, Jesus came. Communication is key. Um, the ark to preserve knowledge to preserve knowledge of the Sabbath I firmly believe that the almighty creator who knows all has done all 
He's done all he needs for a man to remember him, to not forget him. And he made it so personal, brethren. By who? His son. He sent his son. He sent his son. He made it so. How can you can't get more personal than that other than God himself coming down, which he can't come down, brethren, because man can't be, flesh can't be in the presence. Mortal flesh cannot be in the presence of the pure, the, whole, the almighty. Because if, if he does, we're destroyed. If we're not converted to immortality, which has not happened yet. Jesus Christ has not come. So there's a word called chasm, and it's a splitting, it's a separation. So which side of it will we find ourselves, brethren? I have to be very careful on, um, I don't want to relive, brethren. I do not want to relive, and I don't want to be going through things that are not good in the scriptures. Would you know that in Second John, is it Second or Third John, where they were of us, but they were they went out from us? People are following philosophy and following false preachers and teachers, and they put out the reasons why because these other people are writing books and writing things and using man's wisdom. First John two nineteen. Thank you. 219, not 119, 219. I, I had to look at those. I don't have any of this highlighted yet. They went out from us, but they were not of us. Brethren, for if they had been of us, they no doubt would have, have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. I use this word sparingly, so they were not Christians. Pastor Walker, I know, said a few times that that, that word only has one and only meaning, a follower of Christ. Christ did not tell us to set up trees and decorate them, paint eggs, pick another day of your choosing. I find no acceptance with Sunday. None. Jesus told, he said, seek. Told people to seek. At some point, brethren, I have to believe that people get an inkling of something scriptural, some conviction of truth, but how far they take it, you can visit a family member in a nursing home. She might ask, how are you doing? What have you been up to? I just gave a message or a sermon on Christmas and the magnitude of Satan's power. And she might say, I'm going to stop you right there. I don't want to hear any more of it. That's not joyful, brethren. It's... Um, so, may the good Lord be with us. We hum humbly serve him and do his will and thank him for the gift and plan of salvation through Jesus, his son. May God bless you, brethren.